Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now let's give you something to chew on. And we're back for another edition. K-Dog, what's up? Teresa Duncan, all good here in beautiful Colorado. I hope it is on the East Coast, my my friend. I, You know what? I don't even know what's going on outside. That's what happens. I get up, get coffee. My eyes haven't opened all the way yet. And then I come on down to the office and... And we get to talk. Isn't this a wonderful thing? I tell you. I texted you yesterday, or actually you texted me yesterday and I called you and I was very grumpy and I have to apologize for that. But it was the heat. You know what? It's all right. It's summertime and it's all good. We we all go through those moments and uh, I'll be there for you. You know, <laughs> so it's all good. There's the friends callback, the friends episode callback. Back to it again. <laughs> I got into my car yesterday and actually Norman's car yesterday and realized that uh, there was no AC. <sighs> yeah. So I, it was not a pleasant drive, mostly because I was cursing the whole time. Have you ever pulled up next to somebody and they're just like yelling and raging? Oh, yeah. I was doing that at nobody. You were that person. I was very upset. And then I was thinking, how spoiled am I that I'm upset that I'm driving with no AC? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we survived through high school without it. I don't know about you. I did not have it in high school. You know, that was not part of the car I drove around. So it was the old 455 air conditioning, you know, so. You want to explain to the youngins what 455 uh, that, is? That's true. For those of you, uh, you know, who are not of that generation. Yeah. You know, you rolled down all, all four windows and you went 55 miles an hour. And that was your 455 air conditioning. <laughs> and you cranked the windows, you know? Yeah. You know what? That's funny because uh, I remember doing that motion to Noah at a young yeah. age and he had no idea what I he was like, <laughs> what? What, is, what are you doing? What is that? What are you mixing, mom? That's what he thought I was doing. So. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Now you said you had a story for me and I'm going in completely blind and my study, which is the next story, you're going in completely blind. This is very exciting. This is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so you want me to throw out a little bit of history? Is that what you're saying? I'm always a student of history. Ah, well, are you a student of history of abandoned dental practices? That's the question. Maybe I should throw at you. How about that? Abandoned dental practices. Abandoned dental practices. How about I throw out to you in Santa Cruz, California, over on the West Coast, there has been a dental practice that has been abandoned for 20 years. What? How about that? Just sitting there on its own? Sitting there, sitting there. It's a 115-year-old Victorian home that was used as a dental practice and it became abandoned and then went through some legal issues and everything else so that it kind of just fell into disrepair. Well, some folks decided that what better use for it in beautiful Santa Cruz, California, than to hoist it up, move it, and put it in a new place and give it a new use. So the two-story Victorian home turned into a dental practice will now be turned into a seven-unit apartment building. Oh. How about that? And, and it's really interesting because they've moved it. They're now going to use it for low-income apartments. Okay. Uh, so I was very curious to see how that a dental practice in the lifespan of a building where a dental practice is and how often that we think about 
oh, that's a dental practice or that used to be a dental practice and how many times something changes from a dental practice into something else or vice versa. I have so many questions. <laughs> There's a lot of questions. <laughs> was all the equipment included? Like what no. happened to the equipment? The equipment was gone from what I understand. Oh, and, and, and see, of course, I would have liked to have seen the equipment. And of course, we'll link to this. I know that, of course. Of course. But they moved it apparently because where it was couldn't be zoned into apartments. So that's one of the reasons why they moved it into another place. I think it's really interesting that they've gone through a lot of work and a lot of expense to move it for low-income housing and to give it a, a new purpose. But at least it's not abandoned anymore. I don't know. Is it cheaper to build a new apartment or is it cheaper to move that? Because that looks very expensive. Have you seen those? Have you ever seen a house being moved down the street? Absolutely. It's it's fascinating to watch it and how slow it has to go. Obviously. Oh my gosh. We saw a house. It was a small house. It was being moved through New York City. This is years oh, ago. Wow. I mean, they had to clear everything and it was like, why are you even moving this house? <laughs> like, come on, you're going to knock over so many people. Like, stop it. Yeah. Even the shows, the, the YouTube videos I've seen, I'll have to hunt for one because they are fascinating to watch. So there's one that I've seen where they moved it like literally a block in San Francisco. But of course, <laughs> it was not a flat block. You know, it was like a downhill block like in San Francisco. And, and watching them try to make sure that this house just didn't go, you know, oh in the middle God. of the road. Yeah, it's yeah. So a block, what makes you move a house a block? It's just a much better view, I'm sure. I, you know, I'm sure it is. <laughs> okay, so you said how old? Two hundred year old house? Uh, let's see. I believe it was a hundred and fifteen year old. Hundred and fifteen year old house. Okay, yeah. so first yeah. thing I thought of when you said old Victorian house. Uh huh. You yes. know where my mind went. I'm a horror movie buff, so I was like, it is haunted. <laughs> I know exactly where it went. So I'm going to tell you, and I have not told you this story either. But here's a little side story for you. Yeah. So. For those of you who do not know, I cover baseball for the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and if you listen to this podcast, you're like, for God's sake, we know that already. <laughs> so the Rockies recently went on a trip to Milwaukee to play the Brewers. And they stayed at a very famous haunted hotel in Milwaukee. That was the team hotel. Mm. One of the pitchers for the Rockies, John Gray, is very well known. And he's very serious about being a ghost hunter. He gets, at, he gets into this. He's got the equipment. He's got everything. <gasps> the equipment, the the whole like Ghostbuster stuff. The whole stuff. Oh he my does. God, he's, I love it. He's not kidding around. The Rockies <laughs> are staying in this hotel. ESPN finds out about it and says, you know what? We've got to talk to John Gray and film, him, and film him hunting ghosts. The hotel wouldn't allow it to happen. Well, because it's bad press. Exactly. But what a great 30 for 30. <laughs> the reply back to ESPN, the Rockies PR guy told me was, the only ghost you'll find here is the ghost of hospitality. <laughs> and I was just like, gag me. <laughs> you know what? Come on. Some dude is very proud of himself for coming up with that. That's kind of clever, actually. <laughs> the ghost of hospitality. Well, I'll tell you, all that's left in some locations, some retail stores, too, the ghost of hospitality. <laughs> that's all gone. Maybe there's a ghost of hospitality in the Santa Cruz dental practice. You know, you, know? you can't ever tell. Because dentistry back in the day was not very pleasant. So I'm like, oh, maybe there's upset dental patients that are haunting. And there's the dental assistant still cleaning out the suction traps in there. She can't ever leave. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> like guests are just walking through and they get squirted out of nowhere. Like with the <laughs> so air water syringe. <laughs> you got some ghost chasing after you for your bill. That's the receptionist. It's the worst. <laughs> Insurance won't cover this. We don't take credit cards. We need chickens, paying chickens. Like that's what 
old school. Being chickens. <laughs> it's funny that that we are laughing about that, but my boss bought his practice from his dad and his dad is okay. old school. His dad's a kind of dentist. I love him so much. This man, he's passed. God bless. He used to close the office to go to the races. Like he would okay. come in and be like, you know, Dolly, I got it. I got a good horse that's running. So you need to cancel all the appointments. That's awesome. <laughs> but that's old school. You know, it's the old school yeah. dentist. So it is funny that he would take payment in certain, like if you had something to trade, he would take it. And there were like times that. when he took, you know, uh, people trading their services, not just barter, like, you know, printing all that kind of stuff. Hey, I need a, I need a deck builder. I need someone to drive my mom all over here, here, and here. Like that's the kind of stuff that happened back then. Oh, I, I can think of a couple of current dentists who have traded work for pieces of art. That's actually, you know what? Art is a good investment. Yeah. Art's like a very long, long held solid investment. Yeah. I can think of two dentists right now that have done that. Yeah. Don't you wish you were artistic? I, I'm not. There's just <laughs> no, yeah. I do stick people and I do them really well. So you got to get famous enough that your stick people are in demand. Oh, that's it. That's it. Another business model. Great. Okay. So back to this haunted house, because that's really like the most fun thing that I can think of right now. It's not haunted. But what? Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's not. It's just an old house. I mean, it could be haunted. I, I think it's haunted. I mean, really, it's an old house. Can we just go with that, please? I just sure. love a good haunted house story. All right. It's haunted. You know what else it could have been turned into? An escape room house. Now that's a good one. I like that. A Victorian old dentist office escape room house. The marketing just does it there. I just gave the marketing plan. Where were you a few months ago? Whatever some, <laughs> this house was just sitting there. I'm telling you. I mean, now people are just going to live there. How boring. Snoozer. <laughs> Snoozer. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm sorry. I just thought that was very, anyways. Well, maybe statistically speaking, so you'll have something better. I don't know. <laughs> that is a segue into I'm done talking about this house. Bring up your study, Teresa. That's I'm trying here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Dear listeners, my goodness. Ah, it's been one of those days. Kevin and I have both acknowledged we're a little off our game this morning <laughs> when we got on. There was a, an interesting webinar that I listened to uh, last week, Kevin, and it was given by, let me get this right, because I never want to upset companies. I want to make sure they get their call out when they spend all this time. Of course. Benko Dental, Glidewell, Midmark, and Young Innovations had a webinar called State of Dentistry Report 2021. And it was a pretty interesting webinar because they kind of all went through the study. And we will link, of course, there is a page that you have to go to and enter your information to get the study. I don't want to link directly to the study because they've worked really hard to put this together and that just sure. wouldn't be right. I'll link you to the sign-in page. And there was also an accompanying YouTube video uh, the webinar was put on YouTube afterwards. So I thought it was pretty interesting. And I was like, okay, of course, we're going to talk about this. And I sent it to you. And I'm, I'm glad actually that you haven't had the chance to look through it. But I wanted to bring you some information that I didn't think was very surprising. But there's something that you're going to be really surprised about. I'm so excited. Bring it. And oh, this is a good time to plug that we'll be giving our industry trends course at the Hinman 2022. Very excited about that. Absolutely. So. Atlanta, baby. Oh, gosh. There better be air conditioning. It's in March. It's in March. It won't be too hot, Atlanta. Oh, that's true. You know, okay. see? For those of you who don't know, Kevin and I, uh, when we do speak together, it's either on joint things that are happening in the office, like assistants and managers and how to work together, or this course, which is 
trends in dentistry and we've given it at a couple different places and it's been so much fun, always updated. So if anybody is a meeting organizer and, and is interested in this, let us know because we, we have a lot of fun with it. We do. And it's because we take stats like this, you pay attention to other stats and then we wrap it all up into one very exciting course. And I am trying to think that with COVID-19, I'm not sure that we've presented this since the ADA before COVID-19. So a lot has changed. What I really appreciated about this study in particular is they didn't spend a lot of time on what has been going on with how has COVID done this and how has COVID done that. Now, that is the gist of the survey. But like I'll take, for example, the ADA, like they track almost to an excess of things that are happening through COVID. But what I really want to see is the big overall you know, am I missing the big boat? And the way they laid this out was very, very interesting. Uh, are you ready for me to dive into it, Mr. Henry? I need to hear some statistics. Then I'm going to just poo-poo on them like you did my house story. But go right ahead, please. Listen, your house story was extremely interesting to me. But That was the most deadpan look I've ever seen on your face. Oh, face. you weren't supposed to see that look. Sorry. I it was, was very interesting. <laughs> I was so excited. I am excited about it, but it's so much more interesting when it's haunted. <laughs> Come on. Okay. All right. You couldn't even say that there was a sighting or it was former cemetery site, something like that. What if I used orb? Would that help? Oh, was there an see? orb spotted? <laughs> there might have been an orb. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know... When you take a picture in a haunted house and there's a ghost, you start to see these little orbs that show up in the pictures. I know these people who went on a ghost tour in New Orleans one mm -hmm. time, and they were they were told to look for orbs in a certain place. And I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. So okay, all right. <laughs> anyway, sorry. People are questioning their life choices right now. Okay, so before we dive into the takeaways that I want to call out, let me just give you the the makeup of who responded because that's important. The majority of the respondents were dentists, 82%. This is, a, I guess, a real reflection of what the dental owners, dental leaders are thinking, the ones who you know, are obsessed with making sure that their practice runs well. Interesting, I, I don't see like another category there. It's just either dentist or office manager. Hmm. And most of them were owners, not associates. And what's really cool is throughout this this group compared how DSOs responded versus this actual response. So if you're wondering, oh, what, what are DSOs doing? So that way you get that mostly general dentists. Here's something else that I was like, wait, what? 75% of the respondents were male and only 26% female. And I'm thinking, wait, we have a lot of female dentists. Why aren't they taking the surveys? That seems very strange. Oh, and also most of them were one location. So I think that's a very good reflection of the state of solo practices. I mean, pretty well represented there. I appreciate that they're looking at the solo practice because I'll tell you, most studies are really right now geared towards what are DSOs doing? And I know that's where the money is, but solo practices are fantastic. So yeah. I really like that we're still talking about that. Okay. 63% are planning to invest in their practices in 2021. What do you think the top two things are that they're going to invest in? Technology and team. Ooh, look at that. How about that? Adding new equipment and hiring new staff. Seriously? Absolutely. So the ones that we're following up that was 36% 32% respectively. So far and away, the two top answers. Adding software, remodeling, training staff to go digital is only at 10%, which means your girl Dana is training everybody out there and they're already digital, right? They're already done. Exactly. You know, there's just not that much of the country left to do. So somewhere up in 
Fargo. She's heading there next. Oh, Fargo is a lovely place, I hear. It is. We will be up. Uh, we'll be up in North Dakota in April. After two failed, <laughs> failed meetings, we'll finally get the to- quest. We're going to get there. Okay, then uh, building a new office and then 3%, wah, 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 hiring a consultant. <laughs> wow, that doesn't bode well for our friends there, huh? No, I was surprised by that. And I got to say, I really think there's so much information out there. I think a lot of dentists think they can just kind of piecemeal it together. And, yeah. and that's not really a bad plan until you realize you need one overarching plan to piecemeal. If you're going to jigsaw puzzle it together, at least know what the puzzle is. 3% is pretty bad, actually. So I was not really thrilled with that. Not because I'm doing so much of it, but our consultant colleagues, they are needed more than ever. Also, let me tie this to one of the key results is that dentists in this survey realized that they don't understand the business of dentistry. That's very interesting. So don't understand the business of dentistry, but only 3% looking at hiring a consultant. You can read some dental economics articles and it'll be fine. <laughs> now, here's the other thing too is, and I'm just going to say it and people may not like it. I think this is pretty representative of solo practice philosophy that consultants are super expensive and I can't afford it right now. The biggest feedback that I get from dentists who are you know, successful plugging along really well is they wish they had brought in a consultant earlier. I think it's really interesting because that's one of the things that we've heard about for years that the DSO has the advantage is the business model and everything behind the scenes to run the, the efficient business. And yet this sounds like it reaffirms that the solo practitioner still doesn't think that that's a, a key part of his or her day. Yes. Now look at the equipment that they're planning on adding operatory. So there's uh, obviously increased demand to be able to see patients. And I honestly, maybe dentists realize that their stuff was old. Or maybe they're expanding and opening up another operatory. Digital impressions, scanners, and imaging were the next uh, highest selections there. Here's something that you'll find interesting because we've talked 3D printing in the past. We're kind of mm -hmm. fascinated, you and I, about it. 3D printing, 15% of solos, because just mostly solos are looking at adding it. However, 24% of DSOs will be investing in 3D printing. And the only thing I can say to that, and I have nothing other than just what I've heard to back this up, is that the DSOs can actually understand the ROI of it a little bit better. Yes. That makes sense. But again, I think that it's a technology that's really undervalued in dentistry right now. You have seen it where they, they're doing like bridges and stuff, right? Yeah. You do think that there's a, a use for it. I think you've been really like, why hasn't this been around I remember at the last IDS I went to, the International Dental Show in Germany back in 2019 now, trying to make all these years not blend together, <laughs> but there was already material specifically designed for dental 3D printers for Crown and Bridge. It's out there. It's just a matter of when people are actually going to start implementing it into their treatment mix. And this may be the first time people are even hearing about 3D printing being used in the dental office. Lots of information there if you want to go search it out. Who are they planning on hiring? I love quizzing you, actually. This is kind of cool. We should do this from now on. With, with, <laughs> just have you go in blind. I can quiz you. I love this. <laughs> Who do you plan to hire? Kevin is the question. What do you think they answered? I would think that they're going to hire because I see the glint in your eye. Yay, barely the smile on your face. <laughs> I'm going to say insurance coordinators or folks up at the front. Would, mm. would I be correct? Sort of correct. Additional okay. office staff was the second top 
thing. And I'm pretty sure it's not insurance coordinators. It's probably somebody to answer the phones because we can't even find those. What do you think the top is? Okay. So top then hygiene. No. Oh. Assistance. I should have just gone with my gut. 75%. 75% assistance. And then additional office staff is down at 53%. Additional hygienist, 43%. And then additional dentist at 32%. Now, here's the flip side. DSOs are planning on hiring dental assistants. Yes, but they are more likely to hire additional dentists and hygienists. Now, they can scale that, obviously, and they probably have the extra space in these offices to put these people. That doesn't surprise me, but who produces more money? Right. I mean, we're indirect producers because we enable it, right? But we're not direct producers. So our DSOs like, uh, forget the office staff, another hygienist. And I guess then that hygienist schedules and does everything in the back and they don't worry about what happens at the front when the patient walks out. I don't know. I don't know. Assistance though? Again, in high demand, high demand, and uh, we are just not seeing them in. In fact, I'll share with you. My little cousin just graduated from high school. We were texting back and forth. I said, you know, we were talking about what, what are you going to do in the future? What are you, any thoughts and all this kind of stuff? You know, she was actually like chatting because usually when you ask a teenager that they're like, I don't know. And that's it. You never hear from them again. I wrote this whole thing about how dentistry is, you know, you might want to sure. consider it a good entryway yep. and, and here's some earning potentials and all this kind of stuff crickets, crickets. Then I was like, oh, I guess not. And, you know, smiley face back. Maybe teeth are just not the way to go for some people. There's still a big perception to get over. And I don't think a generation is going to change that. I think that it's actually going to take some education about that dentistry isn't about drill and fill. And it's not all pain and, and this hurts and everything else like so many people have in their mind when they don't really know the truth about it. Now, I appreciate that the organizers of this study are trying to uh, ask what the future plans are. I think it's hard for people to answer that and get an accurate idea because I think there's people that want to do things, but then they'll never do it because of costs and all that stuff. The changes they expect to make in 2021, the top answer was adding hours. So that's good. That's good that they're adding hours. But what I hope is that they're adding hours that are productive. Right. If you're a PPO office and you're adding hours that's a little backwards. You don't want to add hours and work harder for lower pay, you know, cut a PPO out, keep the hours that you like and see where you are from there. But again, I'm assuming that is one of the attributes of these people that are answering the survey. But I'm thinking before you add hours, bring on an associate. So it's not you. It's not really clear this response, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That's interesting. And, and I think a lot of Practices go, oh, well, we should be open earlier or open later. And, and you're right. They don't look at the value that that extra hour actually either brings or takes away from the bottom line. You've heard me talk about this practice up in Spokane, Washington, that I've seen that seven to seven, seven days a week. And mm -hmm. the business model they have to actually make that productive. My wife, Dana, as you mentioned earlier, is actually in a practice as we speak that is open seven to seven in a very small town in Utah right now. It's a business model that seems to work in the small town, which I'm really curious to hear more about that from her because with Spokane, I'm like, okay, it's a bigger, you know, it's a bigger area, more people to draw from. This small town does not have a lot around it. So I'm real curious what she sees in that seven to seven and how productive it is versus one in a bigger area, shall we say. Yeah, I'm really curious because Utah is one of the biggest PPO penetrated states. And this is not near Salt Lake or Provo or St. George even. I mean, it's, it's a small area. Wow. All right. 
what do you think the biggest issue in 2021 is? This is not clinical. This is more the business side. I'm going to go hiring. I'm going to go with finding people to fill jobs. Business of running a dental practice was the the top answer there. Hmm. Hiring is it. Staff turnover, however, was uh, down middle of the middle of the the graph. I was surprised by that because staff turnover to me is a big big issue. Yeah. What maybe that means, Kevin, is that the stuff above it is more important and more more of a punch in the gut. Business of running a dental practice, number one. Dental insurance, number two. Down for number three. Patient visits are taking longer. Third top challenge. That's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, and you know, that changes everything. If you're measuring production per square foot, production per hour, all of that stuff, that impacts everything. And if you're sure. somebody who's getting your practice evaluated because you want to sell, all those stats have now just not gone in your favor. And I wonder how aware you were of it before you started to look at what if I sold or anything like that, or if it just kind of blended into the background and you had no clue. Yep. Very curious. A lot of people though, the whole thing, they mentioned that the temperature checks, the hand sanitizing, the turnover, all of that has added to the cost of it. I suspect, Kevin, that there's going to be a lot more demand for the business side of running a dental practice, which is not a bad thing. But then in my mind, that goes into the need to have somebody who's an expert, like a consultant, come in to do that. Mm -hmm. And yet it doesn't sound like they're open to that. So that's a very interesting wheel to watch turn there. You're correct. That's going to be something to really come back to. And I don't know how often, uh, it looks like they do this every year. So we'll have to see how that turns around. I would love for them to add a question like, you know, were you satisfied with any outside help you received? And not just for a consultant, like, honestly, I'd love to see a state of the industry where, were you happy with your accountant? Were you happy with your uh, supply company? The supply company piece, Kevin, I can't tell you how many people were really mad at their supply company in the last, you know, 18 months. Yeah. Lack of PPE and answers and the supply chain and all that stuff. It was, you know, the proverbial perfect storm. And, and I know a lot of reps took the brunt and some rightly so for it. Mm-hmm. One girl said to me was, I realized where I was on their pecking order and that's not yeah. cool. It's a great point. So uh, how many people have changed their sterilization processes? Well, uh, over half have changed uh, their core supplies. About 41% said, no, no changes. We have a good process in place which quite frankly, we were the best healthcare provider when COVID started. We didn't get our kudos. We should have gotten our kudos. I agree. And, and I think dentistry missed a real opportunity to say, you know what, we've been doing this this way forever. We've been taking care of patients since the AIDS epidemic really broke onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a lot of talk about that on a national level. So I, I think that was an opportunity missed. You may need to bring on your friend, Mary Gavoni, OSHA expert, onto your podcast to talk about the next little bit. It goes over what they've done for uh, safety and for infection control. Uh, most of the offices will keep hand sanitizer easily accessible. Most of them will continue to update their HVAC systems. Most of them will keep magazines and materials out of the waiting room. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I did read something earlier, uh, I guess it was last week, that magazine subscriptions went down substantially during COVID because dentists and doctors and everybody else weren't having them sitting out there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if those are going to come back. That's kind of an interesting point. You know, it's funny. I don't know if we ever subscribed to any magazines. They were <laughs> always just sent. 
Really? Yes, we got all the magazines, Kiplinger's, Money, all of them. I don't know if we've ever, Rolling Stone, we've never subscribed to any magazines. They just send them. Interestingly enough, yes, there are offices that do subscribe to certain magazines. Like I've heard for aesthetics, you know, they, they subscribe to like these Southern Livings and the Architectural Digest and all that because they want to have a, an image in their, in their office. Half of the offices are going to keep those plexiglass walls that uh, they put up at the reception. Sneeze guards. Yeah. What do you think of that? Hey, Golden Corral was way ahead of its time. That's what I'm saying. The sneeze guards <laughs> on the buffet were not a bad thing. So, Actually, I would be okay with this because the amount of breath that I have smelled when I was a receptionist. So this is good. At the same time, it's cold. Even my medical office, they removed all of theirs and they're just oh, basically sitting back. You have to wear your mask when you go in, of course. So yes. It is what it is. Most of them are planning on keeping their coffee and snack stations out of the operatory or out of the waiting room, which is good because quite frankly, as somebody who had to maintain that stuff, that's a pain. They are going to become as paperless as possible. That's good. Did you know that people eliminated the reception area completely last year because, you know, nobody came into the office? Right. About 17% are going to keep it that way. I have heard of a few practices that love the, you sit in the car and check in thing. <laughs> I, I, I have heard that now summertime, wintertime. I'm not sure how well that works in certain parts of the country during those seasons. Listen, if somebody had said to me yesterday to stay in my car and I had the car that I had, I no, I would have broken all the rules. <laughs> breaking the law, breaking the law. <laughs> I would have walked into the office and just dared them to make me leave. <laughs> Stand under a vent and cool off. I could just see you with the, the camera on the phone recording. You just make me leave. You try. You know, it would have been awesome. Oh, my God. Here's the YouTube fodder right there. You know, honestly, like, who knows what goes viral? It's stupid stuff like that. I'm sure that would go viral. <laughs> so here's something that's a little bit sad. I always have to bring you down at some point, Kevin. So I know. Okay. One third of dental practices reported that their dental lab shut down during the pandemic. That makes me so sad. It does me too. And, and I think that we are definitely seeing, I think it escalated that shift. Uh, you know, we, mm -hmm. we talked about labs and uh, for a number of years and where they were going. And I think code really sped it along, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I have a lot of stories from all the small labs in our areas that are not around anymore, the ones that I knew. Uh, there's other ones, but they're bigger, a little bit more corporate going that way. And there's a lot of consolidation in the lab industry too. There is. That's an interesting area. Maybe we should look into that because honestly, I think a lot of people don't, don't realize that. And it's very interesting what goes on in the lab industry. Uh, did you know the majority of dental practices prefer sending paper orders to the lab instead of digital? It seems strange, but yet not surprising. Well, you know, I thought these labs were like, uh, you need to send this in digitally. You're right, though. If you don't have the scanner, if you don't have all that, yeah. well, what can you do? Going away from the lab. So this is where I am not happy with this, but it is what it is. Who do you think is the most influential? I kind of gave this away. Who do you think is the most influential when making purchasing decisions? And the four choices are. Dentists, managers, hygienists, assistants. So dentists, of course, are the top. So let's just leave that out. That's right. 84%. So I don't even want to muddy the waters there. Of the remaining three, what do you think is the most influential? I'm going to say I hope it's assistants, but I have a feeling it's not. It is. Oh, good. There you go. I'm glad to hear that. 
You see, you should have been presenting this survey. I should have. <laughs> 26% dental assistants are highly influential. Dental hygienists, 24. Office managers, 21. Wah, wah, wah. Small margins, just a couple points each. But wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know the the ADAA and and Danby and Dale have always done about you know how influential assistants are and and everybody kind of goes oh well of course they're going to say that that's who they're involved with but whenever something like this comes out from a non dental assistant focused group then I think that that adds validity to the fact that assistants do have the dentist ear and also have that relationship with the rep that I think a lot of people underestimate. So in DSOs, there's defined roles, right? If you're a, a regional manager, you know what you're responsible for. A location manager, you know what you're responsible for. With an office manager in a small solo practice, you really don't know what you're responsible for. It's very rare to have somebody have a job description that doesn't say everything. Right. So in that situation, then, does the office manager have enough time to do the research, the due diligence to contribute to this, this conversation? Are they a true office manager? Lots of questions. You know, we're, again, we're talking about the GP, the small, the smaller solo practices versus DSOs and, and the differences I think would be very wide in that respect. I will end with two interesting things. Now these are stats. What do you think the offices track the most? Okay. What a recall. <laughs> no. All right. No. And I laugh because <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Billings. So how much oh. they build out? How okay. much they build out. Now, gross billings is not the same as gross collections. So I don't know where gross collections is on here. And it's not even in the top four here that uh, they present, but gross billings is great. Hey, happy that you all, you know, build out a hundred thousand, but I need to know what you're bringing in. What are you collecting? What are you collecting? Exactly. How nice of you to have a six figure <laughs> month. <laughs> but but <laughs> but if you only bring in 75,000 in collections, then, you know, it, the smile is going to disappear pretty quickly. Amen. Now, customer acquisition, they do track that. Customer retention, though, 41% actually track that. Their little comment here is DSOs are more likely than individual practices to track all of these stats. That's not a surprise. Yeah. They called out, though, that customer retention, only two in five dental practices track customer retention. And that is something I think is being generous Honestly, because a lot of people don't think about it. They think about new patients. They focus on new patients. So what happened to all of the patients that you haven't seen in the last two, three years? Exactly. Are they gone or are they gone, gone? Right. And then, of course, what is the most common way to differentiate your practice? And quality of care is what came up and relationship with dentists. And this is their opinions of how do you differentiate your practice, quality of care, relationship with the dentist, and then squeaking by is positive experience with office staff, relationship with hygienists, welcoming office environment, location, use of latest technology. I'm not sure this is an accurate reflection of real life. Yeah. And the reason I say that, Kevin, is because we have a retail consumer and location is extremely important. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when you look at reviews, and what's going on out there, we know that the number one reason people leave is because they had a bad experience with staff, not necessarily dentists, but with staff. If 14% of these offices consider positive experience with office staff to be their common way to differentiate, I think y'all need to bump that up, honestly. 
And it's really interesting because I can tell you that staff slash team, I think you and I both talked to so many of the team members will say that that's the differentiator in their practice is them and the relationships that they have with their patients. So I'd be curious to hear doctor's perspectives versus team perspectives on that question. Yeah, this is probably the only part of the survey and it's the last, you know, if you download the survey, this is the last uh, one. This is the only thing that I really think is not accurate. You know, I'm not going to argue with people who, who took the survey and gave this answer. I just don't think it's an accurate reflection. Let me back up. I think this is actually a pretty good example of where dentists think their strengths are, but where consumers want your strengths to be. I don't think people really care that much about, let me just say quality of care. Let me qualify that. They don't know what quality of care is. Agreed. They just know their experience is good. They had a good time with their dentist. The staff made them laugh. They're just assuming that your dentistry is top notch. And they don't know any better. That's something they're not going to go out and compare. It's not something they're probably going to talk about unless they've had a bad experience. They're not going to talk about it with their friends or relatives or anything else. So you're exactly right. I guess I'm just saying that if you are going to hang your hat on something that patients aren't even realizing is affecting them, I don't think you can change that. I think it does more for the dentist than it does for the actual patient. And that's a backwards type of thing. I agree with that for sure. Interesting stuff. The YouTube channel or the YouTube video has uh, all four of the top dogs from these companies, along with our friend Greg Tice up at the uh, Seattle Study Club. About that. He's the moderator there. You can go ahead and take a look at that and see what they have to say and see where you measure up. I like it. <laughs> you know, it, it's always good for us. I think we've talked about this in the course you and I do. If you're only looking at what, how you're doing in, inside your own bubble, it's different than looking at how you're doing in your own city or zip code or however you want to break it out. So you really know how you're doing versus the others who are out there. I like it. So when you run reports for your office, you're what I call zooming in. And when you look at studies like this, you're zooming out. And I think it's important to do those on regular basis uh, and come up with your strategy, you know, and that's something that I think offices need to do about once a year Yeah, is really revisit their strategy and, <laughs> or when, you know, viruses pop up that make you reevaluate everything. You know, just little things like that, right? Yeah. Little things, little microscopic <laughs> pieces of beep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Kevin, my friend, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any last thoughts, anything going through there that you would like us to chew on? Well, I think uh, you and I will definitely dive into it more. And absolutely, if you're going to be at the Hinman meeting in Atlanta, we will be talking about this live in person and in depth. And But I have a feeling we're going to broach it a few more times on some podcasts we now know. I think so. Let's talk about where we're going to be in case people do want to catch up with us. Uh, we'll both be at ADOM, right? You're giving a course. What's your course at ADOM? So I'm doing DA to PA with my friend Tia Hunter, talking about how dental assistants turn into those amazing practice administrators. So that's going to be an awesome thing. I'm also doing a writing workshop, which I'm super excited about that too. Yeah, we'll both be at ADOM in Orlando in September, and that'll be a lot of fun. And yeah, are we anywhere else together? I know I've got a couple of things, but I don't know about together. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I'll see at Yankee. I know that Yankee, yes. Chicago, all that kind of stuff. ADOM, for those of you that don't know, American Association of Dental Office Management, really, really great conference. Kevin, you should come back down to Orlando in November because Christine Taxon and I are doing our insurance extravaganza 
in November. It's all day medical, two days of dental and medical billing. I know that that gets your juices going. You know, what gets my juices going is getting to hang out with you fine people. The content, uh, you know, may not be up my alley per se. I'll be cheering on those assistants in the back, but uh, I love what you guys are doing because insurance touches all parts of the practice. Am I not right, Teresa Duncan? I suspect if I had to put money down that you would be snoring in the back of the room. Or I'd be at Splash Mountain or somewhere. You know, yeah, honest. that's true. It would be a total write-off and you would be at Animal <laughs> Kingdom or something. I don't know what you're talking about. Surely not. <laughs> All right. See, you see how, how this is, people. He has things that drive him and I have, I drive him crazy. Here we go. <laughs> but, um, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, dear listeners, thank you so much for hanging in there with us, with our ramblings and all of that. We so appreciate that you spend your time with us. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. And don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then. <laughs>